So I've got head injuries. <laughs> I can tell. Look at the state of you. Yeah. So this one, this wound here, that was hitting my head against the woodshed door. That's impressive. Um, yeah. The woodshed makes it sound a bit more posh than it is. I think it used to, it's the artist formerly known as an outside toilet. Oh, okay. But anyway, um, I'm guessing <laughs> from the state of it. And then this one here, this other wound here, this was a bramble when I was uh, walking the dog. And what, I, what I've worked out is I need some kind of head protector. You okay? do? <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. But not a hat, because if I wear a hat indoors, actually I hit my head more because you can't get the peripheral yeah. vision. You know, so I hit my head. And also, I could wear a toupee, but I don't want to wear a toupee because that's that's a bit daft. I quite, I'm quite happy being bald. So what I reckon is we need some kind of laminate for bald heads. We do. <laughs> you need like that sticky back plastic that you used to put on to protect the book covers. I need something. Yeah, someone needs just... to do your head. I need a transparent head baldness protector. That's what I need. Somebody invent that, please. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to episode to something. Hang on. It's uh, 260, 260 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. Yeah. Uh, my name is Nick Page. And uh, right there, in his T-shirt, it's, it must be quite warm where it's you are. Warm. It's, it's warm Worthing. Hello. Hi, everyone. Great to see you. Listen, have we missed a yeah. birthday, as in a podcast birthday? Oh, yes. Yes. I so. Well, you didn't send me any flowers. I didn't get a card or anything. No, it's because, you know, we're like an old married couple now. We forget these things. I think it was in October when? I think it was October. Well, presumably six years ago. Or seven, surely. Oh, I don't know. The years all roll into one. All right, look, look, you talk about the Enneagram Six Day and I will I will look it up. Quickly. Okay, okay, you look it up quickly. Fantastic oh. podcasting. Well, I've not much to say about the Enneagram Six Day other than it is full. Um, so there'd be ten of us. Um eight guests plus Ali and I and uh, I'm thoroughly looking forward to it so that's great thanks to those that signed up for it I hope it's a really good day for you excellent and while Nick looks that no up, no no I've got it oh I've have got you it. oh it, well. it was episode one yeah. the hungry caterpillar of faith yes 14th of October 2016 so seven years we just had that our seventh is... anniversary wow happy anniversary yeah, happy anniversary. Special. I don't know what seven is. Mm, um, I don't know either. Plastic of some kind. Anyway, yes, there we go. Um, yes, Enneagram Sick Day. Good. Well, I hope you have a lovely time. That's good. Um, how are you apart from that? Well, you know, uh, there's, there's very good in some ways, not so good in other ways. I mean, like us all, I think. It's, 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 been, it's been a week of extremes. So... You know, back in Anchor Lake still, but probably both are getting better. Broken shower, leaky Felix window. So, you know, our bed is right underneath the roof window. Mm. And the other night it was dripping on Rachel, not on me. That's the good news. Oh, excellent. Um, obviously, that's the silver lining. I well, hydration is good. I think, <laughs> it's, it's, well, I tried pointing that out to her. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't see it that way. <laughs> So that's going to be done. The shower's broke. Uh, so, you know, stuff like But so, you know, the normal, the normal array of real life. Um, 
But some really good stuff. So I had a boys' weekend with my son, which is a real treat. He came up from mm. uh, Bristol, and we had a day out in London. We did a couple of taco places, one for lunch and one for dinner, because, as you know, we're Mexican food obsessed in this house, and uh, they were delicious. Recommend El, El Pasteur in uh, Soho. Very good. And we saw the Book of Mormon. So ah. now... Now, I don't know what to say because there are definitely times when I was laughing when I when there was a voice inside, you really should not be laughing at this. <laughs> <laughs> it was so yes. hysterically funny. It's like this massive chorus line production, beautiful singing and dancing and, you know, really elaborate routines. And the things they're saying are so inappropriate. Mm. <laughs> it was very funny. Um, that was good. And on a far more wholesome note... Uh, I saw Harry Baker this week, which regulars to the podcast will know he's just one of my favourite poets, Evs. Uh, he's a fantastic uh, and lovely man. And uh, he was he was performing in Worthing and uh, he's brilliant. And uh, we may speak of him again soon in the near future. Oh, okay. So, mm. well, so there, you, there you go. Good stuff, bad stuff. Could do with some more work. But there you go. Yeah. Hmm. That's that. How about okay. you? What's going on? Yeah, really uh, quite busy, unusually busy week. Because normally when we do these How Are Yous, you know, you've yeah. been out to films and shows and things. Yeah, and I've yeah. sat at home eating Doritos and just feeling sorry for myself. Billy No Mates. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. Um, <laughs> I have no friends and you're one of them, as I heard somebody <laughs> say this week. Anyway, uh, but lots happening. Yes, come on then. The wood burner. We got Hooray! the wood burner in. That's lovely. That's good. Nice hot fire. Uh, we've been to hear lots of people because it is um, the Wantage Literary Festival. Is it? I live a bit near Wantage. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to the Wantage uh, Literary Festival. Heard Will Gompertz on Saturday, who's oh, right. the. Uh, I don't know if he's still the BBC Arts correspondent. I think he, used he is. To be. Yeah. yeah. He was talking about um, how artists look at the world. He was very interesting, very oh. good. We. We actually went down to Bristol after that, seeing my daughter, which was nice uh, for her birthday. And um, then in the evening last week, on Sunday, we saw Simon Reeve oh, right. uh, in Oxford, yeah. who's the um, sort of explorer, adventurer, documentary maker. Yeah. Who my wife likes. And I, yeah. I'm Everybody's not sure it's wife just, likes. Oh, no, I'm I don't not like sure him. it's just his documentaries that she's admiring of, if I'm honest. Anyway, it's really interesting because he did two hours talking about uh, his new series, Going to the Edge of the Earth, and his experiences and things like that, and his 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 history. And it was quite. It was like listening to a Victorian explorer. You know, it was like as if somebody had come yeah. back from the wilderness and and reported on things never seen or something. It was really right. weird. It was a mixture between a preacher and a Victorian explorer because he was talking a lot about the environment and stuff like that. And. Um, he did sort of make you feel slightly inadequate as a man, I think, you know, because he's he's what, you know, he's probably 20, 20 years younger than I am. And yet he's been to all these countries and sort of just goes off into the middle of the jungle and comes back with diseases and sort of lives with natives. And oh, it's just mm. you think I get I get quite sort of I think if I go to Waitrose, it's a big expedition. <laughs> exactly. You know. It is for you nowadays. Well, it is a little bit. Yeah. Just remember being young and good looking is a curse. It is really. He's. You wouldn't like it because yeah. he's got more to lose, hasn't he? Yes. He's got more to lose than us. I just think good-looking people have more to lose than I have. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, and then last night, 
last night was brilliant because we went to see Grace and Perry. Oh, right. Well. In the new theatre in Oxford. You really have been getting out and about. I know. And he's doing a show on identity. And I didn't know what to expect because I thought, oh, well, he'll be talking about art. He'd be talking Mm. about his exhibitions and and the paintings and the programmes. Oh, he talks about lots of stuff. Yeah. He he does stand up basically. Brilliant. He comes out, he sings songs dressed in the most outlandish outfits. So yeah, there were three songs in the show that he'd written, I guess. So they were very funny songs. And then and then he does he does it's it's a bit like watching a sort of even more surreal Harry Hill, if you know Harry Hill. Yes. I mean he just but he was talking all about identity and uh using lots of polls so that you had your phone out and you would take apart in polls to, to show, you know, what, mm. what class you were or all this kind of stuff. Um, and lots of questions raised. I thought it was a really powerful evening. It showed what humour can do as well as, you mm. know, what you could, what what honesty on stage can do. It was, mm. it was great. Loved it. Really good. Yeah, so lots lots to think about. I think he's a very interesting man. and uh, He is. Yeah, yeah. I think what's interesting about him is he's he's an artist who is very down to earth very in touch with ordinary people, likes talking to ordinary mm. people and likes finding out about people's stories and meeting people. And he was talking about personalities when they meet, how it should be more like two clouds sort of meeting. So you, you sort of overlap and you mingle a bit. Mm. Um, but instead we sort of, we want there to be, you know, we want to be in the in group. And if we're mm. in the in group, there has to be an out group in order to define mm. us and all this kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, he was he was great. He was really mm. good. I loved it. Great. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well done. Look at us. It's strange, isn't it? How, because I find this, you don't go out forever and then suddenly mm. all comes, all happens all at once. That's it. It's my wife. She just sort of went mad booking tickets and then, you know, I have to go, really. But it is good. I'm going out again this Saturday and then that's it, probably for six months. I won't go out again, apart from the cinema, obviously. But yeah. Really? Yeah, that's how it goes. Perhaps you are turning into me because I've got lots more talks coming up. That's incredible. We're we're reversing polarity here. Um, Anyway, look, let's let's get on with um, what we loosely call the podcast. Um, We don't have a lot of feedback this week, but we have one very interesting one that we want to give um, time to. So, uh, Joe. Okay, Take right. it away. Okay, well, this is from beloved listener Simon, who we have met, of course. And he says this. Hi, Joe and Nick. I was wondering if you and Nick are aware of any coaching or counselling services available to those of us who are in the process of deconstruction, hopefully with the aim of moving towards a gradual reconstruction. So for me, I left my long-standing role as an associate minister earlier this year the disconnect between what I was supposed to believe and what I actually believe, or at very least question, became too great. However, I seem to be getting increasingly angry and depressed. It feels like a bereavement, but one where the core of who I am, my purpose, my worldview, the foundation upon which I've based my life, has been ripped away. I know this sounds melodramatic, but honestly, it's how I'm feeling at the moment. I'm not sure if this is an Enneagram type nine response, which is what he thinks his personality type is, but I'm struggling to dig my way out and can't distract myself from my deeper thoughts forever. He said on the positive side, my wife and I have discovered trail running and have joined the local running group. They are very inclusive and we both feel somehow closer to God when running in our local woods. Thank you both for the podcast. It's a lifeline. Best wishes, Simon. Mm. 
And I have to say, although that is quite a dramatic uh, one because it involves careers and things like that, you, you, it's not untypical of many other emails we get to the podcast uh, in that sense. So it's nice to perhaps just spend a bit of time with it. Yeah, and I, I would like to start off by not so much apologising, but acknowledging I think it's a really good call to us because I think we can be guilty of talking about the mid-faith crisis quite lightly because it's a fun podcast and we're, we're just mm. substantially sort of trivial people really but <laughs> we, you know there's no uh, substance to us is there no we we we're because we're sort of addicted to innuendo and <laughs> and jokes um but no and i think obviously you know we've, we've been through it as well or we're we're well advanced in it and so it it, it doesn't feel so significant but actually it's not something that happens lightly for many people at no. all. It is, it is, it's because it's about belief, and belief isn't just about this sort of things that you hold in a compartment of your head. No. It's often about identity as well, and in this case, about job and role. And yeah, all that exactly. Kind of thing. No, and it, and it genuinely is a crisis. I mean, that, that that's a word you, you perhaps shouldn't use too lightly. It is a crisis because exactly. As Simon was saying there, it feels like the very thing you've based your whole life on up until this point, you know, maybe the thing you grew up with at Sunday school and has passed down to you through your family, generations of your family, maybe. Mm. And suddenly you're going, no, it just doesn't. This really doesn't work anymore. This just cannot be right. This does not make sense. And we live in such a different world, even to the world I was born into. I don't know about you, but I was born in 1965. And, um, you know, had they just put a man in the moon? It was coming up, wasn't it, round then? Was that 69? Anyway, England won a World Cup. There was no internet. There was no... There's no colour TV, not in our house. Uh, it wasn't a black and white TV for a long time. So, you know, the world has changed so, so much, even in the last 20 years. And I think the church is playing catch-up and, uh, and not catching up very well, may I say. Some of it. Some of them are, though, I should say, for the sake of balance. But, but I want to talk about this... Uh, role thing a bit I think because yeah I think you know for me actually some parts of mid-faith crisis uh, were quite liberating I remember waking up quite distinctly I've talked about this on the podcast before waking up quite distinctly and suddenly realizing that actually oh I didn't have to believe in certain things because I wasn't employed by uh, the Church of England or I wasn't doing that the other I I was utterly free to do that mm. but this was not the case for a minister and it wasn't the case for yourself it wasn't and the so case for me. how does that that that's quite traumatic then isn't it because your role your your identity is part of your ministerial role isn't it it's part of that it is traumatic it it is bereavement and i think you know i remember the conversation with rachel when it became obvious because my theology had changed mm. i was told it was incompatible with being a church leader um you know, on on that, as we're not going to rehearse it all again, but over the same sex issue and all that sort of thing, and so, and so, you know, I can remember turning to Rachel in tears, just going, "What can I do?" Because yeah. I, you know, I I I left. I, I had a great job at Marks and Spencer when I left school. Then I went to work with Steve Chaw, and I could not have been more enthusiastic about that. I love that. And I met you there. It was one of the greatest things in my life. Mm. And then I trained at Spurgeon's. This was always the big plan from about the age of 16. 
And then I became a minister, did a little sideways move into a design studio, you know, but still working with Oasis. And then eventually the day came when I was, you know, in my 40s. I like to think of that as the Baptist prime. If you're a minister <laughs> with a wife and children, man, you're desirable to a church. <laughs> and, uh, and so we thought, this is it. Finally arrived. Finally got it. And seven years later, that's that. Mm. And so there's that all that history, all that sort of this identity and how much. And, you know, there's lots of ego stuff in there for me. I probably, you know, if I'm honest, I quite enjoyed being a big fish in a small pond back in the day. Um, you know, it's nice when you preached an entertaining sermon and everyone came out and told you how marvellous the word was and all that sort of thing. And you'd mm. say, no, it's Jesus, really, not me. <laughs> 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 yeah, but have you noticed what happens if you don't turn up? He doesn't He doesn't do the sermon. <laughs> of course, all these years rendered me basically unemployable. <laughs> just, yeah. just, there was, what do I do? Stack shelves at test? Probably wasn't even qualified for that particularly. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm laughing now, but I, I was not laughing at the time, I assure you. No. It was no. a very difficult and extremely painful period of our lives. I mean, part of it is, I think, because we have elevated the priesthood or the oh. ministry into this sort of thing where there's mm. this calling and therefore it, mm. you are, you're essentially a prophet. You know, you're essentially <laughs> you've been called out. Yeah, and, exactly. And you haven't been anointed. That is a big deal, yeah. And now suddenly you're no longer anointed. Your anointing has gone. Um, you are denointed. You've been denointed. You've been anointed. Yeah. And um, and 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 so that's really hard. I remember uh, yeah. talking to uh, someone many years ago who was an associate pastor at a, a church I was involved with, and it was apparent to absolutely everybody that that he was in the wrong place, mm. that it was the wrong career for him. Mm. It was apparent to everybody, even to him, except that it wasn't a career. It was a calling. And so you couldn't just say, look, give it up, you know, go and do something yeah. else where you would in any other job. You go, oh, just yeah. stop doing that. Just go and do stop something. It. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting. So there's that identity thing, that calling, that position, that, uh, you know, the, the, the status that is there. And you are sort of doctrinal kind of outcast. And, you know, you, right. it's like you need some sort of, you know, you're impotent. You need a doctrinal Viagra to get your, your <laughs> mojo back so that you can be acceptable to the, to the church again. <laughs> He's, are, are you suffering from doctrinal dysfunction? Yeah, yes. Because we have, we have tablets for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, the thing is, I think... Um, Actually, I think the first thing to say to Simon is I think you should grieve. Yeah. You know, you have been bereaved. You should allow yourself yeah. to grieve for this. And that giving up beliefs that were so much a part of our lives and brought us so much happiness and so much, um, you know, uh, joy, actually, at times. We should never forget that. Yeah. Um, to, to, to suddenly be sort of exiled from that or feel as though you are can be mm. very very hard indeed and i think you i think we we need to acknowledge this that that moving on from any old part of our life can feel like being bereaved i've been through this this mm. year actually i mean you know i i 
having moved house and moved mm. to a new area, um, you know, d- d- I I couldn't work out why I was so depressed. Mm. And I realised that actually it, I was grieving, or, had, or rather I wasn't allowing myself to grieve for what I'd left behind, the part mm. of my life that had gone. And it's not that I want that part of my life back, it's that actually, you know, I'd crossed a frontier into a new part and you, you feel... Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's a loss there that you haven't properly ad- acknowledged. Yeah. Um, no. And and I have to say I really admire you because I think well look, you saw something, you had this idea and you absolutely went for it. Whereas I think the fear of what I leave behind might often stop me and and perhaps others from ever doing it. So I, I think mm. it's such an admirable thing, but you're right. There has to be a good ending like a death before a good resurrection, like new life. And I think what's difficult is with moving house, you can you could sort of see it and you've got a defined date and you can sort of intellectualise it and rationalise it and understand it. Yeah, I had a lot there. That was my home. That's where I raised my family. This was a this was a big part of my life. And now I'm entering a new zone. So you can but with with the mid faith crisis, it's not as it's not as clear cut. I don't think you can always understand. Why am I feeling no. so depressed? Why am I feeling bereaved? Why am I grieving? And why am I angry? And, you know, it's so much harder to sort of specify, really. There's an anger there, I think, because you might feel as though you've been tricked. Mm. You might feel as though you've wasted time. Mm. Um I don't think that is generally the case, actually. I think that, that, no. that, you know, I think you should sort of, you know, it wasn't like somebody was deliberately sort of, uh, you know, unless unless you have been in that kind of church, I suppose. But it's quite rare that somebody sort of deliberately fooled you like that. I yeah. think it's just that that part of your life has gone. I wonder whether you should give it a decent send off. Yeah. You know, like whether you should whether you should write a eulogy for the past life that you had, for the set of beliefs, for the church that you were in. Yes, it's a really interesting thought. Yeah. You know, just just think about everything that was good in it for which you're thankful. Yeah. And and but but say goodbye to it. You know, that's it. It yeah. is it is now gone and you need to you need to move on. Um we don't often think about doing those kinds of things. Uh, to 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 that part of our life, I I feel it a lot really at the moment because I, the other the other night, um, I did an online sort of talk, um, teaching training okay. session or or theolo- theological teaching. Were you giving it or were you watching it? Boy, was I giving it. Okay, right. I I it. as you know, I am a giver. You are. Uh, I mean, even when people don't <laughs> we, want we, it, we wish I, you'd stop giving. Yeah, somewhere. they're saying no, Nick, stop giving. I'm going no. I, this is my calling, my identity. So, but what struck me was how difficult I found it because I, I've really moved on. I haven't done mm. one of those mm. since COVID. You know, I haven't done this online teaching. Yeah, and 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 also I was teaching on a part on um, I was teaching about sort of uh, revelation emperor worship in the New Testament and stuff like that, oh. which I haven't done for years, and it, it felt like stepping back into a part of my life that had gone. Um, mm, but I was also yeah, aware how thankful I was for it. I was really mm. thankful for the experiences I had because I went to Patmos. I did all that stuff with Revelation. I had a wonderful time. It was great. Yeah. But it's gone now. That's really interesting. Yeah. I'm not that person. Um, so I think I think I would say that first thing to Simon is, yeah, you, you, you are grieving. You are bereaved. You've lost. Mm. There's a loss there. 
and uh, you need to kind of to to acknowledge that um I, th I think the other thing i wanted to talk about with you joe was about this was the the understanding that actually our spirituality our theology cannot be possibly divorced from our bodies from our from our physicality mm. um our our neurology our you know all the other bits mm. <laughs> any other ology you want to yeah so yeah we're you know, one we're one whole yeah, yeah. Mm. i think so often we put forward this theology that our beliefs are in some sort of section of our brain that isn't really connected to the body because the body's a bit sort of mm. messy and you know or wormy worm again yeah. you know and but, but our beliefs can be held in this little pot of yeah. safety in there um but actually it's all muddled up it is so there's a physical side to this as well i would say Absolutely. And I think I think even I mean, trivial as my backache and ankle ache is. But, you know, the, I, th I think that's a really important point. When you're aching, when you when something really physically hurts, it is hard to care about other people. It's hard to care about stuff. It's hard to pray. It's hard, hard just, you know, you do get a little bit more self-absorbed when you're in pain. Of course you are. And sort of my theology at one point was so separate from that it's like well i ought to just get over this because you know this doesn't matter this is yeah you know what really matters is prayer here and maybe i'm just being tested physically or something like that whereas now i think i've got a far more holistic view of everything well of, well, of course i'm not really going to feel like praying at the moment what, what i really probably need to do is stretch or, or yoga that is my prayer at the moment yes. it's just no point faking anything else <laughs> i've seen you stretching it's more of a lament prayer than anything else I would say. <laughs> it is i think the other thing connected to that is just as our physical body is constantly being renewed don't we get a new skeleton every seven years or something isn't it everything is renewed every... cells yeah cells are constantly yeah, coming and going and everything they end up but... in the carpet or something i can't remember where <laughs> i don't like know but something to do with like you are not the same person i met 25 years i mean you physically are not the same you're completely new body and that's a frightening thought I, it's like i don't know you yeah. it's, it's a bit like um in only fools and horses triggers broom are you no, have you ever I'm watched not, you know, i'm not familiar with it no <laughs> oh, you're not familiar with it it's a classic thing so okay. so trigger works for the council as a road sweeper i think okay and he gets this award for having uh for the economy because he's he's using the same broom that he's used for 25 years right the same brush and it <laughs> when he's given the award it turns out he said yeah i've it's had three new heads and two new handles but apart from that it's the same <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well that's exactly <laughs> the point i was trying to make <laughs> before you so helpfully interrupted well it's it's the paradox of triggers broom is a new well, philosophical exactly thing. Anyway. the point i was trying to make is just as the body is constantly changing i think we are made to change i'm not convinced we should hold the same beliefs forever and a day we change we morph we grow we read that expands us we watch documentaries that expands us we we take in information about the world around us. We learn through relationships. We learn through making mistakes, constantly changing us. And one of the things that I think is difficult sometimes in relationships is people find it hard to accept that you've changed. Mm. You know, so, for example, I think this is often true in family reunions. You know, I, I have a brother who is is quite a reclusive, shall we say. Uh, I love him dearly, but I don't see much of him. 
And when I do, we, you know, we have to go back to sort of several Joes ago <laughs> in order to relate. Rob Bell's very good on this, I must say. He, he talks about this quite a lot. He knows the old Joe, but he doesn't really know the Joe that you know today. Yes. Um, he he know he remembers me as a kid and remembers the things that made us laugh when we were kids. And we will often, when we meet up, relate back to those stages. But he doesn't know the new Joe. And I think one of the things in mid-faith crisis is you are expanding because you're thinking things through really deeply. And you're probably, you might be reading more than you've ever read or listening to podcasts more than you ever have. And you're you're trying to expand. And those around you perhaps aren't, or they're worried about you, or they... Can, and they want you to be like you used to be, but yes. there's no going. There's no going back. You are you, and you're evolving, and you're growing. And I get this all the time, is. actually. I get this mm. all the time because people come up and they, they say, "Oh, you know, I loved your book or whatever." And it turns out it's it's like a book I wrote in two thousand or something. Mm. And people have put you there. That's where you are. Yeah. You know, in their mind, mm. you, you realize this is this is the writer that I think I'm, and I. I'm not that writer anymore. Mm. I'm not that person. But you sort of have to sort of slot in there. They, they, they have, they, they encountered you at one point, and that's yeah. that's it. Um, yeah. So I think I th that's really helpful. I think that that there is there is joy in change actually, and there's yeah. hope in it. Mm. I wanted to talk about um, also something I found very helpful, which is uh, Psalm 42, um, particularly. Because there's a book called Clinical Theology by a guy called Frank Lake. Right. Um, we, we, he was one of the first um, sort of people to combine spirituality and um, uh, psychotherapy in that kind of sense and, okay. and use these kinds of um, readings for treating depression. And he, he's the guy, actually, our, our friend Trevor um, uh, has, mm. does a thing called the Cycle of Grace. Well, that's yes. based really on the teachings of Frank Lake. Okay. Well, um, he's talked about that on the podcast, of course. So, yeah. He, great. Well, Frank Lake, um, he he talks about Psalm forty-two, which is the um, you know as the deer pants for the water. Ah, yes, deer pants. And I think yeah, deer pants. <laughs> <laughs> as I start off so many letters. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as the deer, which we sing blithely in church. As the deer pants. But actually, the the context of the psalm, the deer is being hunted. Yeah, it's 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 thirsting because it's it's running out of water. It's it's yeah. it needs your leaky window. It's lacking hydration. It's it's sure. dying of thirst. And Psalm forty two has this. Um, Frank Lake does this brilliant deconstruction of it, where he talks about how it, it is the the psalm of somebody who's suffering from depression. Mm. Because he says, "My soul, my soul thirsts for you. My soul longs for you." And he, and then he remembers back to the glory days of the, the temple. How I used to go to the temple. I remember how I went up to the temple praising, blah 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 blah. And 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 then it, there's a moment of self reflection. I'm actually going to read a little bit, Joe. Okay. I know that you can have you yeah. can have a little sleep while I read the Bible. But um, yeah. thank you. Yeah, this, let me let me use this my proper big leather Bible here as well. Oh, that's very good. You're like a proper Christian sometimes. Thank you. You're an inspiration. Sometimes I could pull it out of the bag. Psalm 42, he says, you know, my tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me continually, where is your God? 
These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I went with the throng and led them in the procession to the house of the God, house of God. So he was a leader with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude keeping festival. And then this bit, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. So it's a wonderful psalm because it has this sense of self-reflection. That he's he's asking himself that question: Why are you? Why am I cast down? Why am I feeling this way? Yeah. And the answer is loss. He's lost something. Yeah. But there's also that hope in it. Yes. I will, you know, I will find hope. I will find help. Um, I will be in a new place. It's a really powerful thing. I it's just as you read that, it reminded me of something I was thinking about um, earlier this week. I went for a walk on the beach. I know that a surprise a lot of you. Uh, I went for a walk on the beach. And for some reason, I was thinking back to my darkest hours uh, on the beach, which was when we were going through all that mm. stuff. And I can remember at one point just shouting out, where are you? You know, come, it's like, you've so let me down here. You mm. know, gave me a calling to come to Worthing and then deserted me sort of thing. And it was like, you know, the real cry was sort of show yourself. Yes. I mean, it's like I I can't do this invisibility thing anymore. No sense of presence, no sense of you there, no sense, no seeing you, no sensing you. It's ridiculous. Um, starting to think I've made the whole thing up. And I was reflecting as I was looking at a really moody sky and the sea. And, the, you know, if if the prayer was show yourself, it occurred to me that God had answered that prayer the moment I uttered it. I just didn't see. Yeah. I just didn't see. And I think maybe now, maybe now I do see a lot more. You know, I wanted God like the Monty Python. You remember the Monty Python foot or the, the old man with the beard in the sky? I wanted that kind of revelation, whatever that meant. Yes. I didn't realise... I didn't realise just in, in taking in the clouds and the sun and the sky and the sea and everything. Uh, I, was, I was beholding the divine, but was just blind to it. Anyway, my thought for the day. Thank you. That was great. And I think this is what's <laughs> happening um, with Simon and what happens with so many people. Because he was hmm. saying about, I think he was saying about running and getting out, a trail running and that kind yeah. of stuff. I think you find new ways to encounter um, God. What I would say... For anyone um, going through this or, or, you know, feeling this kind of loss or um, this sense of being unmoored, you know, sense of being cast mm. adrift kind of thing. Um, I would say both look after your psychological welfare and your spiritual welfare, mm. you know, have a wellness plan for both. Yeah. Um, give yourself time. Be kind to yourself. Practice gratitude. You know, mm. think about mm. the good things. Mm. Work out what what practices you can take with you into into because it will be a wilderness feeling i think at times but what can you take with you into the wilderness that's going to help you um and and really get lots of sleep as well you know mm. i think often that's the case that that we, our bodies are exhausted by the psychological and sort of um philosophical battle that we've been through um so i think you need to take care of yourself on all those levels really Yes, that's that's really helpful and really well said. I agree. And, I, I, you know, I love that thing about, you know, what do you make of church? And I remember uh, Brian McLaren, one of his books, saying it's really it's a school for love. That's that's why there's still a need for the church. We've got to mm. help 
help one another be good at love. It probably starts with self, um, but it certainly extends to others at this stage. And, um, you know, perhaps mid-faith crisis is a time to, to really pay attention to the love that you need as well. But as you work through it, I think you, you have that desire, you have that renewed vision of what your life can be. And whilst you used to think it was always about telling everyone about Jesus and getting them to Alpha, and, you know, maybe that was how you uh, sort of measured your success as a Christian. Now you measure your success. Well, I, I, yeah, that's not the right word, you know, success. I'm sorry. But, you know, now I sort of measure my success, for want of a better phrase, by how much I've loved people in a day. That's it. You know, just cared, just being kind. That at a very basic level means just being nice to someone in the shop, a neighbour, someone who needs a hand. Every day you're going to find people who just need a bit of brightness, a bit of light, a bit of care, or just a, yeah, just a kind word. And you can do that. And that's, I think, our mission now. And, it, you know, there will it will be OK. You know, it oh. will be all right. Um, I, I was thinking about this this week because... Sometimes things have to break. We're not very good at, at breaking things, actually, in the church, at actually letting things stop and collapse mm. and, and be rebuilt because we want things to continue. And so we, mm. we're better at papering over the cracks. And in, in a week that I think we can both agree has been tremendous for English sport. Yes, um, hasn't it? <laughs> you know, I think, I think one of the things... I don't want to hammer on about sport because some people don't like it. It's but, a bit but, but actually... Yeah, yeah. But it is, but it's true, you know, like with the 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 problem is in English rugby, for example, the system is so flawed, so badly run that mm. if we were to have got through to the, to the, the, final. the final, it would have papered over all the cracks. Everybody would have gone, oh, well, it's OK, as you know, and yes, there are problems, but look, we've still got. No, some things really have to stop and break and some mm. things then can be rebuilt and start again. Um, yeah. And 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 there are times in our life when when that is the only thing that can happen. Mm. That was an interesting, that, that was interesting, that, a wide-ranging I, discussion. I wasn't who it? knew we were going to go there? You know. But frankly, the listeners can blame themselves if we if we only get one email, we talk about one email. Thank goodness well, there was yeah. one. Well, I think it was a great one, and I that really was. hope and we'll pray for you, Simon. I really hope things uh, work out for you. And I mean, you know, we came up with so many good things. Doctrinal dysfunction. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> is a title. <laughs> there's a there's a book waiting to be written. <laughs> we've all we've all suffered from that, <laughs> dear listeners. We wish you all well, and we're so grateful for you. We're amazed that you still listen. We are frankly even more amazed that some of you are so kind that you give uh, to us, which is really, really helpful. Bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone for your support. It really does mean a lot to us. If you if you do wish to give to the podcast, you can do that from the website. If you'd like to write into the podcast, you can do that by sending an email to joe at midfaithcrisis.org. That's Joe with an E. Yeah. And we'd love to hear from you. We really um, And we will be back with you uh, next week. With an interview, I think. Oh, right. That's good. Oh, yeah. Did I tell you about this one? I can't remember. No, no. <laughs> this is Joe's forward planning. <laughs> he doesn't Great. need to know. It, it always works on a need to know basis, listeners. OK. Well, anyway, look forward to the <laughs> look forward to whatever you send me there. That'd be great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>